Good morning. It's Wednesday, October 6th, and I never know how I'm going to, when the next podcast will be, but today sounded like a good one after I did my post this morning on the Instagram account. So what I've been doing is trying to let God or praying to God to lead me in a direction and then following through on whatever seems to happen. So um, often I I will pray and then just ask God to show something in the Bible and then I will read it and look at it and see how it applies. And that's what happened today. So I randomly open up the Bible and just read a chapter that it comes to and see what it says. So today I opened up to uh, the middle kind of chapter 24 five of Isaiah. It had a little bit of 24 and a little bit of 26 in there. And um, it's really a good follow-up to my prior post because the prior post I had also talked about, or the prior episode on the podcast was also talking about um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Revelation. Once again, I'm in Isaiah and it's chapter 25 and 26 primarily. And there are ties to Revelation once again. And so it's kind of interesting that this is a repeated uh, occurrence here. Anyway, uh, the other thing is when I first read the Bible a couple years ago, I read it very quickly at a high level and didn't spend time meditating on every verse. Um, I just wanted to get an overall understanding of it and kind of skimmed over a lot of it. So since then, I've been going back and looking more detailed at everything that's in the Bible, and I'm constantly learning something new. It's it's very um, interesting to do that because you always learn something, so it's never boring. I never thought I was going to be a person who read the Bible, but I do now, and it is interesting when I do it this way, um, and I'm somebody who gets bored very easily. I I like change, so... That's maybe why this podcast is going to be evolving and changing as it goes along, but um, just to keep, hopefully keep things interesting. Anyway, when I first read the Bible, I, um, it, it's definitely overwhelming, but uh, this study Bible that I have that I really love, it has these um, hundred most asked questions in it. And it also has some narratives on the side that'll explain some of the verses and it is really helpful in understanding the Bible. There are some things that, um, you know, just make you think about a little bit more about what you're reading rather than a little, I guess, a little bit more insight to what you're reading. And you benefit from people who have uh, studied the Bible for many years. And that's where these uh, narrations on the side come from. So, you're dealing with some of the experts I, on some of them. I, I have to say that um, from reading the Bible and then reading them, there are some of them that I still like don't completely agree with. Um, they do put forth um, multiple opinions and thoughts on certain verses. So I like that because it's not just, this is the way it is. It kind of um, says like common the ways of thinking about things. So uh, because of that, I think what I'll, I'll do is maybe I'll read these chapters and then I will also talk about the narrative. So um, the pages that I open to, I'll just read that. So 
The moon will be dismayed, the sun ashamed, for the Lord Almighty will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before its elders with great glory. So when I read this, um, I had a little note that said the millennium, because in Revelation, it talks about Jesus ruling for the thousand years. And with the Bible, we don't know for sure if that's a literal thousand year or if it's symbolic, uh, because, you know, it also says to the Lord, a thousand years is like a day and a day like a thousand years. So who knows? Um, really, uh, we won't know until it actually happens. But that was there is a period that people refer to as the millennium. And it says um, that Jesus will reign in Jerusalem. Uh, on Mount Zion for a thousand years. And so this is in Isaiah, and then that's the Old Testament. And then it's also repeated in the New Testament. And for, I don't know if everybody, anyone who listens to this is aware of the timelines with these, but the book of Isaiah was written about 700 to 681 B.C., and Revelation, I believe, was around 90 or 95 AD. So you have six or 700 years between these two uh, writings, and they say the same things, which is very interesting. So continuing on, on chapter 25 in Isaiah, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name for in perfect faithfulness, you have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. You have made the city a heap of rubble, the fortified town a ruin, the foreigner's stronghold a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, strong peoples will honor you. Cities of ruthless nations will revere you. You have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in their distress, a shelter from the storm, and a shade from the heat. For the breath of the ruthless is like a storm driving against a wall. And like the heat of a desert, you silence the uproar of foreigners as heat is reduced by the shadow of a cloud. So the song of the ruthless is stilled. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. This is another one that um, is, again, repeated in Revelation. There's a feast that's talked about, um, a celebration uh, when Jesus returns to the earth to set up his kingdom here on earth with a new heaven and new earth. So um, that's just... Um, another comparison between these two, Old Testament and New Testament. Continuing in the reading, the sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. The hand of the Lord will rest on this mountain, but Moab will be trampled in their land. Moab is the current place of Jordan. I have written in my notes on the side. Um, they will stretch out their hands in it 
as swimmers stretch out their hands to swim. God will bring down their pride despite the cleverness of their hands. He will bring down your high fortified walls and lay them low. He will bring them down to the ground, to the very dust. A song of praise, chapter 26. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation. Its walls and ramparts open the gates that the righteous nation may enter. The nation that keeps faith, you will keep in perfect peace. Those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. He humbles those who dwell on high. He lays the lofty city low. He levels it to the ground and casts it down to the dust. Feet trample it down, the feet of the oppressed, the footsteps of the poor. The path of the righteous is level. You, the upright one, make the way of the righteous smooth. Yes, Lord, walking in your way, in the way of your laws, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. And that's the end of where I opened it up to. Now I will read a little bit of the side notes um, to just to give you an idea of what this, this study Bible is like and what it tells the reader. So um, going back to, um, I'll just read the title. So will God literally reign in Jerusalem? And that's chap Isaiah chapter 24, verse 23. Here's the narrative. Some people are, some believe this prophecy will be fulfilled by Christ returning to the earth and reigning over the world. Others view the prophecy symbolically as a description of the new Jerusalem after the destruction of the earth. And that's referenced in Revelation 21, verse 1 through 2. In that case, Isaiah's observation that the moon would be dismayed and the sun ashamed would be a reference to the fact that they don't shine when the Lord is the everlasting life. That's also referenced in Isaiah 60, verse 19, Revelation 21, 23, and Revelation 22, verse 5. So the study guide actually shows a lot of the exact verses of where this is in those other books. So you can see that there are different opinions that are represented here and different beliefs on this, on what will actually happen in the end. Uh, personally, I believe Jesus is actually going to reign. I guess there's just, there's just too much. I don't view it as symbolic. I view it as Jesus is going to be reigning here because he's, he says he's going to come back. And so anyway, that's my personal opinion. But um, then the next narrative is, who are the people at the feast? And this is from Isaiah 25, verses 6 and 7. They are the people of God who join in an unrestrained celebration. The picture is, a, is of an inaugural banquet for a king. Here, the Lord is king. It also could suggest a wedding celebration with Isaiah hinting about the marriage supper of the Lamb. The marriage supper of the Lamb is also written about in Luke chapter 14, verse 15, and Revelation 19, verses 7 through 9. Then the question is, what covers all nations from Isaiah 25, verse 7? Death. Death, which is portrayed as a shroud that, that wraps a corpse. 
the Hebrew, the Hebrew combines rhyming words with similar meanings and poetic parallelism in which the second thought repeats the first. All this emphasize that death will be destroyed. In verse 8, the New Testament declares that Christ has brought about the ultimate destruction of death that is referenced in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 26, 2 Timothy 1, verse 10, Hebrews 2, verses 14 through 15. So there's multiple places where it talks about this, about death being gone forever. And I don't think it referenced Revelation, but I believe it's also in Revelation too, um, when it talks about, you know, there's like no weeping and all of our suffering will be completely gone. Um, I have, I don't know, I think it's in Revelation 21, 22, because it's about the newness of everything. Um, going back to the narrative, link, um, twenty Isaiah 25, verse 8, he will swallow up death forever. Paul quoted this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 54, to show that God's ultimate victory will end death and that in the mourning that it causes. John linked this with the new Jerusalem, Revelation 21, verse 2 through 4. That's what I was thinking of is the Revelation 2, 21, verse 2 through 4. Okay, then there's another link um, to Isaiah 25, verse 8. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. John linked this with the new Jerusalem in Revelation 21, 2 through 4. Again, that's what I was thinking about too. Then there is another um narrative on the other page, how many righteous people must there be for a nation to be called righteous from Isaiah 26 too? It's impossible to say. After Abraham pleaded with God, 10 righteous people would have been enough to save Sodom from judgment in Genesis 18.32. This section of Isaiah deals with judgment and blessing in the last days the time of God's final victory over the forces of evil. Therefore, the city, Isaiah 26, verse 1, or nation, verse 2, Isaiah foresees, consists of those who have gained access to the new Jerusalem through faith. Only those who have faith, who trust in the Lord, verse 3, may come in. So there's also, um, that's, just some interesting points, and I'll elaborate on that. Then there's another link. Um, the Lord is the rock eternal. The Old Testament also often describes God as a rock, a source of water, shade, and protection. The examples are in 32, verse 2, Exodus 17, verse 6, and Psalm 18, verse 2. The next question is, our statement is, does this mean that righteous people will have an easy life from Isaiah 26, 7? The words level and smooth in this verse show that the path or way of life to which God calls the righteous is not crooked or misleading. This path leads to steady, unswerving obedience to God and actually has nothing to do with comfort or convenience. Um. So those are, that's some of the narrative that goes along with the study book and um, the study Bible. And so I just would, thought I would share those things with you because it does make reading the Bible much more interesting when you have something 
to something like that, to add a little bit of knowledge to the verses that you're reading. So um, this also ties into the podcast because the entire purpose of this podcast is to hopefully have people want to learn more about the Bible and seek it for yourself because salvation um, is, or being saved is a personal endeavor that you have to take on yourself. Nobody can do it for you. And it's a personal relationship with God. So the only way that gets established is by praying and by reading the Bible. Um, A combination of those will increase your faith and also bring you closer to God. So that's something that I hope this inspires people to do is have more of a personal um, interest in the Bible. And then um, secondly, I just want to make sure everybody who does listen to this or continues to listen to this is assured of their eternal life with God. And there are things that have to be done. If someone isn't aware of those things, I do have a couple different podcasts that talk about that. And if you just want to get right into what do what are the five things you need to do to know that you are saved, um, I have a podcast called Ready, Let's Do This. And that goes through those five things that people need to do in order to know and be absolutely confident, 100%, that you are going to be in eternity with God. So that's uh, a podcast you can go. In the description of this podcast, I put links to other ways that you can connect and also links to those podcasts. Um, there's a uh, another podcast that I did that kind of gave a summary of what I understood after I read the Bible, the whole story of the Bible, tried to condense the 4,000 year bit of information into one podcast um, to tell it, give a, you know, a very high level overview of the Bible, because I think that's important to understand like, In this book, there's so much detail in here, but what is the overall message of the Bible and what do we learn from the Bible? What is the Bible all about? Because that's what I was seeking at the time. So it's a lot easier to listen to a short podcast than to read thousands of pages of a Bible, but it's much better to actually read it for yourself. I'm just giving you um, a summary of it so that maybe you can dive into it and do it yourself or, you know, just read some chapters or some books. Any amount of time that you spend in the Bible is all worth it. So I encourage that. And anytime you have questions about stuff that's in the Bible, look it up um, and use a combination of, uh, I think, online sources are really great because you can search words and topics and find verses that relate to that. So that always helps answer questions that you might have. Anyway, I hope you have a great day and we will talk again soon. Bye.